it's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by Flick composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner. It's going to feel like a Friday. I understand Thursdays are sort of Friday Eve, but it's it's packed with so much cool stuff today that uh, it's going to feel like a Friday, to be sure. Um, coming up during the third half of our three-hour tour, we're going to talk with uh, National Geographic Kids, uh, contributing writer and author of the Zeus the Mighty series, Crispin Boyer, about the newest uh, installment, the epic Escape from the Underworld for uh, kids age uh, 8 to 12. And uh, in the middle of our three-hour tour, we're going to talk with a New York State licensed clinical psychologist who's written, uh, she's in the process of writing a series of books, and volume two is out, The Wanderers on Earth, which is, uh, as I mentioned, part two of the Mission from Venus trilogy. And uh, then the first hour is is really packed uh, pretty tight. We're uh, going to uh, talk with, um, actually, we're going to talk about a new study that, uh, or a new survey that reveals 83% of Americans are concerned about the rate of inflation. And this is a big deal because it's it's rare these days to get 83% of Americans to agree on anything. <laughs> But we're going to talk about uh, inflation and advice for consumers on how to navigate uh, uh, economic conditions um, resulting from the uh, pandemic with the senior investment strategist at Edward Jones, Mona Mahajan. I think I said that right, but we'll find out. Uh, Good morning, Mona. Welcome to the show. Great. Good morning, Tom. And you pronounced it uh, perfectly, so thank you. Oh, excellent. I'm I'm terrible with names, Mona, so I, <laughs> I, it, it always makes me a little nervous uh if yes, I if I, I haven't had I a chance same, yeah. if I haven't had a chance to practice. But let's talk about this. First of all, eighty three percent. How how do eighty three percent of Americans agree on anything these days? Yeah, you know, it's an eye popping <laughs> number and in it fact is. <laughs> we we took this survey back in January, uh, over twenty two hundred adults participated. And the interesting thing thing to me is that since then We've also had, uh, of course, the onset of of this crisis in Russia and Ukraine, which from an inflationary perspective has only driven up oil prices, some food prices, 
you know, maybe even exacerbated this supply chain issue that we, we've been seeing as well. Uh, so some of these inflationary pressures, uh, we would guess, have actually increased. And so that number may be even higher than 83% well, today. Well, Mona, Mona, isn't it kind of a given that if, uh, if fuel prices, if oil prices go up, everything's going up because of transportation and other things? Yeah, you know, you're right in the fact that oil is a input into so many <clears throat> different parts of the economy. You know, even if you think about airlines, uh, if you think about transport to your, your uh, point, when you think about uh, some of the other things that are produced, you know, in Russia and Ukraine, for example, that go into semiconductors and EVs, electric vehicles, uh, so a lot of, of the input costs that we're seeing around the globe are moving higher. Uh, so our, our wage costs, and so when you look at from a corporate perspective, a, a lot of uh, their inputs are, are moving higher as well. Well, what about the, um, I don't know if you'd call them rumors, reports maybe is a better way to put it, that um, the Federal Reserve may be kicking interest rates up a notch, maybe as early as this month. Yep. Yep. In our view, uh, the Federal Reserve will likely raise rates starting in their mid-March meeting uh, by 25 basis points, 0.25%. Uh, they're at the zero bound now. So, you know, this is probably something that we should actually be expecting and, and maybe even uh, thinking it's the right decision given that, you know, CPI inflation is closer to 7% and we have interest rates still at zero. Uh, what the Fed is really trying to do is raise rates so that the supply and demand equation can get a little bit better on inflation. Uh, demand is high while the supply is still trying to catch up, which is pushing inflation higher. If we can get supply uh, demand to cool off a bit, um, the inflation rates can come down as well. So we probably will see the Fed raise rates not only in March, but probably four to six times this year, bringing that interest rate picture to about 1.5% maybe by the year end. Uh, that's still pretty low relative to history. So in our view, while the Fed is raising rates, um, it's not necessarily going to derail some of the economic expansion and momentum we've seen building this year. So that's that's the good news, and we want to make sure we point that out uh, to listeners that this, this U.S. economy actually is in decent shape despite some of the volatility and uncertainty we, we've been seeing. Well, as I, as I always say, whenever people, uh, economists and others who follow the economy closely, you know, say that the economy's doing pretty well, I usually say, well, not in my neighborhood. Um, <laughs> and, and it depends on where you are in the economy. And that raises another question. And I had heard from, from other people who follow these things closely that we could experience uh, interest hikes as many as six times during the, the course of this yes. year, which you just referred to, Mona. Um, but I talked to I, I talked to two different economists, and, and I know this is going to surprise you, and they, they had two completely different takes <laughs> on whether people yeah. should buy now or wait and buy later. Um, the one who says uh, buy now is saying, yeah, prices are high, especially if you look at, you know, cars and used cars um, as we track closely here in Michigan. But he was saying, you know, prices are high now, but with these interest hikes and other influences, 
they're going to be even higher later in the year. So now, if you're making a big purchase, especially because the cost of money is going to get higher, that you want, if you're going to buy a house, if you're going to buy a car, you should do that now. What's what's your take on that? Oh, by the way, the other one said, no, wait, because prices are going to come down. (laughs) So it's a standard economic on the one hand, on the other hand. (laughs) Right. And it, it, it's a classic one. And, you know, look, it's, uh, big purchases like houses and cars, prices are near highs here. And so to some extent, uh, while we will get interest rate rises, which will maybe affect things like mortgage rates and auto loan rates, uh, that might be on the margin slightly higher, but still, like we said, uh, relative to history, not excessive. Uh, we may actually see a little bit of, of those prices come down. So I may actually, maybe I'm towing the line in both the camps, but I may actually uh, favor the, the point that um, towards the back half of this year, we expect some of the excessive pricing to alleviate. And so if you're looking at a big purchase, um, certainly spring season is a big one for housing, and, and perhaps you know there's other factors in play as to how much availability, what's you know the inventory for, for cars, et cetera, if there's something you really love, is it going to be there in a few months? But if you have the ability <laughs> uh, to wait until the, the second half of the year, you may be in better shape in terms of pricing broadly across the board. We do expect some of these inflationary pressures uh, to alleviate and ease You'll get better supply chains. Um, That's the hope in the second half of the year. Uh, And you will see uh, just generally as some of that demand falls off, the pricing will will start to come down. So that's our broad view on on where (laughs) when you should buy your home or car. Well, when you talk about inventory for cars, you know, living in Michigan, there are lots that are just packed full of cars. There are cars everywhere. I think... I think GM and Ford are going to start parking cars in people's driveways mm-hmm. pretty soon, but none of them have any uh, any chips. Yeah. <laughs> they don't have yep. any microchips. <laughs> yep, you just captured the problem uh, to the T. There, you know, everyone is waiting for semiconductor supply to improve, and it, in fact, some of the numbers we follow, like supply chain lead times. Uh, have improved now. Have they, you know, gotten back to pre-pandemic levels? Not yet, uh, but the good news is they're not getting worse. And so we think the worst is likely behind us, and it's just a matter of um, slowly making progress towards getting back to normal here. Uh, we think, you know, over the course of the year, and especially in the back half of the year, uh, we will slowly get there. And so hopefully, <laughs> at the end of the year, you'll see actually cars with chips in them that are ready to move. It, what other things did this uh, this survey look at um, other than just uh, sort of a, a general feeling of concern about inflation? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think generally we try to relate those uh, elevated concerns with how investors are looking at their portfolios. And what we really found is if you uh, do have elevated, you know, fear, anxiety, uh, investors tend to make emotionally driven financial decisions as well. And so, you know, for better or worse, you feel like you need to do something uh, with your money. Um, and for us, you know, the, one of the, the key messages is uh, sometimes that's not the right decision. And so when you work with someone, uh, those investors that were working with financial advisors uh, tended not to make as many emotionally driven 
impulse type moves in their portfolios uh, and really were able to focus on you know their longer term financial strategies and goals uh, whether this was the right time to either rebalance or reallocate their portfolio um, and really increase their confidence and economic knowledge and so you know for for us in our business that was a, a really good sign that those that were working with somebody who does this day in and day out uh, really did see the benefits of that. And so that was one of the key findings um, from our perspective. What about these um, online investment uh, services? Uh, At least part of this survey looked at how likely people were to work with a financial advisor. Um, are, Are people taking a chance when they when they just pick up on one of these uh, trendy uh, investment online brokers? Yeah, you know, to some extent, uh, if you don't have, uh, you know, the training or the financial literacy or acumen to kind of understand what's happening in, in the markets day-to-day, what's driving it and where it could head, um, there is a risk factor there, you know, could you allocate a portion of your portfolio to some of uh, those investments, those online um, brokerages or investment services? You know, that is certainly a possibility. But more broadly, we'd say as a core portfolio um, that's really targeted towards achieving your your goals, whatever they may be, uh, that should really be in a, in a place where you feel comfortable that you have some, you know, financial acumen and, and have some strategies in place that you can fall to, especially when there is volatility. That's really when you want to make sure you're not making those rash decisions we refer to. When people who follow the economy closely, professionals, uh, um, financial advisors and economists and so on, and they say the economy is doing well. For a lot of people, it's not. Um, mm. how, how do you characterize that, and how, did that, how was that reflected in the survey? Yeah, you know, certainly um, depending on, you know, where you are in the financial spectrum, uh, you're feeling this inflation uh, or, and these interest rates moves more or less. And so... Um, certainly, you know, any person, any sort of given family or household in, in America will have financial goals. And so for us, there is a usefulness in having, you know, financial literacy and that economic confidence, no matter where you fall in that spectrum. Uh, but of course, if you have less discretionary spending, if you have less to put into the markets uh, on a monthly basis, uh, that will impact, you know, how you're you're managing your risk preferences and where you're investing. Um, I, I do think, again, you know, you can you can gain some benefits in in working with someone to help you devise the best strategy for where you are in your personal situation. Every investor is unique. Um, Certainly, though, you know, for those investors that are feeling the pinch a little bit more, um, perhaps this is a time where they they are not putting as much on a monthly basis into their portfolios, uh, and that's okay as well. But as long as they are on track to to meet their longer term goals, and as long as they understand that even these inflationary pressures that seem so a- acute um, do have the likelihood to moderate over time, and so they should get back to uh, you know their their trend in 
uh, investing goals as well. Mona, I have to take a break here, but I'd like to talk some more. Yep. Can you stick around for a few minutes so we can talk a little more? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yep. Um, we're going to take a short break. We'll be back to talk a little bit more about the state of the economy right Hello, after I this. Hello, everybody. It's me, Tigger. T-I-double-G-R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs> I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines, since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Hawaiians. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's, that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all always. It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a kind and check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com Discoveries They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew and discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Hi, I'm State Representative Sarah Anthony. 
our community and communities across the country are seeing a rise in gun violence. Firearm injuries are one of the leading causes of death among children. Parents, it is your responsibility to know where your firearm is at all times. First, lock your gun away somewhere safe. Also, make sure that it is disassembled and unloaded. It's up to us to prevent gun violence in our community. This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody. We continue our conversation about the economy with um, my my guest this hour, Senior Investment Strategist at Edward Jones, Mona Mahajan. And uh, she joins me by phone. Mona, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around, and sorry to make you sit through all that. Oh, sure. Thanks, Tom. Um we were talking in the in the previous segment about um, a, a recent survey that revealed 83% of Americans are concerned about inflation. Is um, how do we how do we navigate through economic uncertainty from the pandemic? Is it um, a, a case where? Where the economy is concerned, is there a a new normal? We keep hearing that phrase, uh, you know, that we're going to try and get back to a new normal. Um, is is that true of the economy as well? And is is the biggest impact on people primarily from higher prices? Yeah, you know, look, it's certainly been a disruptive couple of years for most Americans. Uh, what we're seeing in the economy, though, and if we take a step back. Um, the rebound from the recessionary conditions we saw in March of 2020 has been very quick and, you know, almost uh, record-breakingly so. And so we've had a nice rebound in economic growth as we went from an economy that was largely shut down to one that started to reopen, one that was supported by, you know, vaccines and therapeutics, et cetera, as we reemerged from this pandemic. Um, So last year, economic growth, you know, GDP, GDP growth was close to 5.7%, which is well above trend levels of 1.5% to 2%. This year, we also expect that economic growth to remain um, higher than average, so about 3, 3.5%, but below last year, so moderating from last year's very elevated levels. Um, The new normal that you talk to, well, part of it is because we've had supply and demand disruptions. So on the supply side, you know, we talked a little bit about how the supply chains uh, really haven't gotten back to normal after the pandemic hit. And uh, a lot of, you know, we've had labor that has come offline. We've had supply disruptions across ports and, and you know, shipping uh, facilities across the world that's still coming back online. So the supply picture is disrupted. The demand picture continues to remain relatively strong. And so uh, consumers have been buying a lot of goods, uh, you know, think about all those Amazon packages we were talking about. They have not yet started buying uh, or, or thinking about more services-oriented demand or purchases, and that includes, you know, travel and leisure and all those services we used to do pre-pandemic. Uh, so uh, the demand picture is still strong. It's still focused on, on goods demand. Um, but because you have this demand and supply imbalance, that's where we're really getting these inflationary pressures from. And so, you know, to us, uh, you know, as we noted, over time, we think these inflationary pressures can ease and mitigate. We think if you take a step back, economic growth will still be above trend. 
Um, so when we think about markets, you know, we usually we don't get a huge bear market, as we call it, you know, 20% plus pullbacks uh, in the market, unless we're in that recessionary environment or, you know, the Federal Reserve is near the end of its uh, tightening program. This year, 2022, we don't see recession on the horizon. We see above-trend growth. We see the Fed starting its economic tightening program, uh, not yet ending. And so we do think the market volatility that we've seen can present actually some opportunities longer term. Are there some some reports that are a little bit askew because people aren't reporting? And, and I'm thinking the best example I can come up with is unemployment numbers. When people start mm. looking for a job, they stop being counted. So when we look yeah. at those numbers, it may not they may not be as accurate as we would like them to be. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. The data does get skewed when you think about people that are seeking jobs versus those that are fully unemployed, you know, versus those that have started new jobs. And so we have to keep that in mind. The one uh, data point that we tend to follow is the labor force participation rate. That's been pretty consistent. And we're still seeing that below pre-pandemic trends. Uh, But the good news is we started to see a pickup last month in participation, which means there may be labor that is starting to come back to the economy, especially now that perhaps some of their health concerns are are easing because the pandemic has shown signs of dissipating, and perhaps because some of their stimulus packages and payments are starting to roll off as well. And so, you know, having that labor supply slowly come back on board uh, will be helpful to, you know, help some of the supply issues we talked about. Um, There will be some part of this this labor economy that maybe perhaps just does not come back, whether they've retired or, uh, you know, sought out new forms of of work. Um, That remains to be seen, but we're hopeful the trends do get better in labor force participation. We have another jobs report on Friday. We'll be watching that number in particular as well. We just have a couple of minutes left, Mona, and I want to make sure to pass along to people um, Maybe if there are one or two things that, that people can do to shore themselves up a little bit as as things come back, some faster than others. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think generally um, market volatility is a norm. You know, we kind of got used to markets that were moving in one direction uh, after the, the pandemic. We actually had a, a nice period where there was very little volatility, only one or two 5% pullbacks um, in the markets. This year, we've already gotten you know 10 to 15% type pullbacks in the broader market. Uh, but keep in mind, in any year, one to three corrections were the norm. Uh, so we're, we're returning a little bit back to normal volatility because we have increased uncertainty around both the Fed uh, and the geopolitical tensions we're seeing abroad. Um, so we would say, you know, if you can, uh, use these opportunities to look at your portfolios, think about diversification, about rebalancing, whether or not you have the exposures you want to the asset classes that maybe can hold up better in this environment. And perhaps uh, the best way to do that is to find an advisor or, or a trusted you know, economic guide um, that can help you navigate some of this volatility. And so uh, certainly, you know, we at Edward Jones are always available to help on that front um, and always happy to have conversations tailored to your particular situation. Um, Mona, do you have a website at Edward Jones where people could maybe start their research a little bit? 
Yeah, absolutely. It's www.edwardjones.com. Um, and, you know, you can be paired with someone in your area who, even for an initial just conversation about what your um, needs and risk tolerances and long-term goals are, um, happy to do that uh, as well. And so I think certainly in this period of elevated volatility and uncertainty, nice to have just someone to talk to around all those fronts. Well, Mona, it's been a real pleasure talking with you. Thank you so much for spending this time with me and the listeners this morning. And Thank keep you, up, Tom. Keep up the good work. <laughs> Thank you so much. This has been great, and have a great rest of your week. All right. Take care. You too. Bye. Bye. <clears throat> that was uh, Senior Investment Strategist at Edward Jones, Mona Mahajan. And we'll have more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com spreading like a plague and POTUS and his lackeys have been nothing if not vague well then you've got to trust the CDC and listen well unless you want to bid our free society farewell there is a super bad transmittable contagious awful virus and if we don't act quick and social distance it will mire us in a stretch of quarantine that lasts until July a super bad transmittable contagious awful virus and if you got a better cough in your arm and if you got a better <coughs> now back in 1918 influenza had its run but half the docks were busy overseas with world war one today we have mass media and scientists to say if you don't want this virus well then stay six feet away super damn important that we practice isolation because we are asymptomatic while it's an incubation will overwhelm our hospitals if there's not mitigation it's super damn important that we practice isolation if we don't do it then we're all gonna die if we don't do it then we're all gonna die and so i hope at last you'll take this lesson here to heart because it's already scary and we're only at the start if you get bored just think of the immunocompromised who can't go much of anywhere unless it's sterilized oh super bad transmittable contagious awful virus if we don't act quick and social distance it will mire us in a stretch of quarantine the last until july a super bad transmittable Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. From the Tom
Hey, welcome back, everybody. We continue this first hour of our three-hour tour with a conversation about a new book that reveals the meaning and origin of God's covenant names by Richard Soans. He joins me uh, by phone. Hi, Richard. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Um, it's an honor for me to be here. This is this is interesting and and complete news to me. Um, the book is called The Covenant Names of God. And and I don't mean to be facetious, but I was just trying to think of a way to break the ice. Um, is Does God by any other name smell as sweet? <laughs> to paraphrase well, uh, Shakespeare. Yes. Well, um... You're right, a rose by any other name is still a rose. Um, the covenant names, you're asking why the covenant names. There are many names of God, and most of the names of God are based on either the uh, the Hebrew form, uh, the Hebrew word El, which, is the, the, which we would translate God, or the Hebrew word uh, Yahweh, or as the King James translates, Jehovah which translates to the verb of being, I am. I am. I was what I was, I am what I am, and I will be what I will be. The name Yahweh, or Jehovah, was revealed by God to Moses at the burning bush, when Moses said, hey, uh, you want me to go down and, and free your people? Uh, you want me to tell them that you talk to me? Well, they're going to ask me, what's your name? And that's the name that God gave Moses. Um, the difference between the Yahweh names and the El names, the El names are kind of descriptive and impersonal. So El, by itself, is God. Uh, El Shaddai, the God of cataclysmic power. power. Uh, El Roy, the God who sees. So these are more descriptive of what God is, whereas the Yahweh names of God are more personal the God who is sanctifying me, uh, the Lord my shepherd, um, the Lord who is my peace. So these are more personality names and what God is actually doing for us. How are these names given to God? Is, is it, um, I, I would just assume that it had something to do with the culture and linguistics of the people using the words. Yes, you're absolutely right. And each one of these names uh, derives from a specific incident. For example, uh, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who will see to it, or popularly, the Lord who provides. Um, that came out of the experience of Abraham when God asked Abraham to sacrifice his one and only son, his, uh, you know, the son who who God uh, said he would fulfill his promises through. So Abraham had a conflict, <laughs> not only a conflict of emotion, but a conflict of faith. You know, God promised one thing, and now he's asking me to do something completely different. And then through the experience, when at the last minute, uh, as Abraham was prepared to do what God had asked him, uh, an angel 
called to him and said, Stop, Abraham. God sees now that you are not, you love him enough to not even withhold your son. And the, and the ram was caught in the thicket. And Moses said, This is the God who provides. And so he built an altar and named it Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who will see to it. What prompted you to do this dive and, and lay out these names and the explanations for what they mean and where they came from? Well, if you, <clears throat> the, the, the covenant names are not new. I didn't make this stuff up. <laughs> they uh, <laughs> they all appear in scripture sure and so i begin with um with you know describing what is a covenant and then go through the names as they appear in scripture what prompted me to write this book is uh, if you'll do an internet search on the covenant names of god you will find uh you'll get a lot of hits but they're all synopsis they're all <clears throat> this is this is a brief, you know. This is what the name means, but there's no in depth. There's no background. There's no story. You know. So I I said, well, this this is. I couldn't find it, and so I did the research myself and and wrote the book. So so folks would have a uh, access to to a more in depth uh, study of the the covenant names. What I find interesting about this is is the fact that each of these names has different meanings because as I read these different names in Scripture, every time I see one, my definition of God is what occurs to me every time. I don't, I don't read one name versus another and, and form a different impression of God. You're absolutely right. What do we get from learning these, these more exact definitions of the covenant names of God? Well, How does it give us a better um, understanding of God? Let me put it that way. Maybe that's an easier way. Okay. Uh, the names are not exclusive. In other words... Um, because one name says the God who will provide doesn't mean that's all God is. A lot of folks, probably most folks, have a misunderstanding of of God. Most most folks, and I'm not talking just about Christians. Probably not Christians at all. But most folks who are not Christians um, think of God as this, you know, cosmic policeman who's always watching and waiting for you to mess up. And God is described in the New Testament as the the epitome of love. And everything he does is out of love, is out of his care for us. And so these various names uh, more fully um, describe the different ways in which he does care for us, and so each of these uh, each of these names was revealed in history uh, through covenant, but each one was particularly significant.
For example, uh, Gideon was in a cave grinding flour. His country was overrun and occupied by a foreign force. And, you know, these, these occupiers would uh, wait for the, uh, the Hebrews to plant their crops and everything and then come in and, and take everything. And it was, you know, it was a very scary time to be living there. And through what God did with Gideon, uh, Gideon learned that uh, the Lord is my peace, Jehovah Shalom. And so in the midst of everything going on, what most impressed Gideon about God was the peace that he had from God. So, so these names, they're not exclusive, but each reveal another aspect of how God loves and cares for us. Uh, did I answer the question? <laughs> no, I, you did very well. I thought, um, Richard, because the 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 question was, um, what do we get out of knowing the better definitions of each of these different covenant names for God, and is a better understanding of God Himself because each one deals with a different aspect of God. <clears throat> At least yes. that's how I'm hearing what, what you're explaining and, and what you reveal in the book is is that um, that no one term for God says it all. Right. God is bigger than that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that sounds like an oversimplification, but it's really not. It's... it's um, you know, referring to God in different ways under different circumstances. And, and it it begs the question, you said it's all the same God. Um, is that true of, of the God of the Old Testament versus the New Testament? Because he's certainly talked about differently. Well, <laughs> and that, uh, you know, that comes down when it's very easy to read scripture, especially the Old Testament stories, and just take things for granted. For example, um, going back to the story of Abraham and Isaac, um, it's covered in the space of about six verses where God tells uh, Abraham to sacrifice Isaac and then, and then we're suddenly up there on the mountain at the altar. But if you've ever been around a mountain or ever tried to climb a mountain, <laughs> you'll know that it's not something that happens in a day. And from where Abraham was when he was given that command, it, it may have been months. And it's just covered in six verses. And what, you know, if you think about it, okay, all the time it took Abraham to reach that mountain and Isaac is in the dark. He's carrying, you know, the wood for the fire. He's carrying the knife. He knows there's a sacrifice coming. And all this time, Abraham is walking and, and the company with him, and they're all walking towards this mountain. There's, they see it far off, and it still takes them days to reach it and then days to climb it. And uh, all the stuff that must have been going through his head. 
Richard, I hate to interrupt, but I have to take a uh, break here. And, and I want to talk to you some more about this. Can you stick around for a few minutes and we'll talk sure, some more? Sure, sure, sure. All right. My guest is Richard Soans. He is the uh, author of... Um, am I saying your name right, Richard, by the way? I'm yes, just, yes, perfectly. Good, because I'm, I'm usually terrible with names. But we're Scottish talking, name. We're talking about his, uh, his book, The Covenant Names of God, and we'll talk some more after we let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us, we have some messages as well. So don't touch that dial. Don't click that mouse. We'll be right Hi, back. Hi, this is Joe Bye from the Blue Lions, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans, and soon... They will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, the hug her and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Ranger Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people. And we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Yo, speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed! It's a robocall! Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate, but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My Robocall Crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, file a complaint with my office online at mi.gov robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it, you're busy. But you know Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. It's 2022, and this year the Tom Sumner Program begins its 14th year. It would not be here without support through the years from individuals and organizations like these. Seth David Radwell. East Village Magazine. Flint Institute of Music. Hello, I'm Maestro Ricky DeMeg. Flint Community Schools. MTA Flint. Flint Comics and Entertainment. Hamity Complete Food Center. The Flint River Watershed Coalition. W.H. Weiscarver. The Genesee County Road Commission. Lone Museum Auto Fair. Thomas Appliance. The Genesee Health Plan. Cliff Technology. 
Mott Community College, Pure Michigan. Friends on Facebook have also helped by contributing to the show's online fundraisers two or three times a year. If you would like to help the Tom Sumner program continue to thrive by becoming a sponsor, send an email of interest to tom at tomsumnerprogram.com. Add your name to the list of supporters, past, present, and future. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back. We continue our conversation about the covenant names of God as laid out in a uh, new book by my guest this hour, Richard Soans, who joins me by phone. Richard, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around, and sorry to make you sit through all that. It's no problem. (laughs) Just before the break, we were talking a little bit about the fact that um, a lot of these different names exist in different contexts and and serve to, when defined properly, uh, paint a better picture, a uh, more multifaceted picture of God. Um, are they are they interchangeable, or are there certain contexts that um, should be learned as to which name to affix to God? I wouldn't say interchangeable so much as uh, universally applicable. In other words... Um, gotcha. Okay. <laughs> um, you asked about the uh, whether these names were relevant as in the New Testament as well as the Old. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I do go through is how they... Um, flow into the New Testament. In other words, if these names are descriptive of the character of God, and as Jesus said in the New Testament, you know, I and the Father are one, uh, then Jesus, Jesus should also have the same characteristics, the same character as God. And so I go through, and name by name, and show, uh, for example, one of the names is uh, Jehovah Shalom, uh, which we already talked about through Gideon. Um, The Lord is my peace. And then Jesus, uh, prophetically, is the Prince of Peace. And then in Ephesians, um, Paul says, uh, He is our peace. Jesus is our peace, who has broken down the wall of enmity uh, between the Jew and the Gentile. Um, And so I go through name by name and show how the person of Jesus has the same characteristics as is, you know, descriptive of the person of God. So they actually do flow into the New Testament. Speaking of... And also into present day. Speaking of names and definitions, Richard, can you explain to me the definition of a Gentile? Well, biblically speaking, a Gentile is anyone who is not a Jew. Okay. 
That, that's because I, I just recently, I had never heard Gentile used um, not referring to a Christian. And then all of a sudden, I heard a reference just, just recently to a Gentile pre-Christianity. And it threw me off a little bit, and, and I, I would have guessed possibly that it meant anyone who was not a Jew, but I'm glad to hear you say that. Yeah, biblically it. speaking, uh, the Gentiles were, were folks who were not Jews. Hello? Yeah, um, Oh, I had uh, a phone was distracting me. Sorry about that, Richard. Oh, okay. Um, I thought I lost you. <laughs> no, I thought somebody was calling in, and I thought, did I mess something up? Is there supposed to be somebody else with us? But um, anyway, I, when did this uh, when did this book come out? Uh, I believe it came out uh, late summer. Okay. So it's okay. been out for a little bit, and um, people will be able to find it fairly easily. Um, yes, it's on Amazon. Richard, um, is there? Do you have another book in the works now? I do. Actually, I have a couple of books in the works. I am working on a uh, an in depth uh, study of Ephesians, and then. Um, I'm working on part two. I'm I'm writing a a trilogy on the end of the world, and so part one, uh, a brush with a beast, is uh, finished. It was released a couple of years ago, and I'm also I'm working on part two of that book of that series. <laughs> um, that is not for children. Well, I, the title would have cued me. <laughs> right. <laughs> now, there were, you know, some of the reviewers of, the, of that book were talking about how evil the devil is. Yes, the devil is very evil. <laughs> and and I don't know why people would be surprised at that. But no, that, uh, that, that book is not for children. Uh, a Brush with a Beast. And I've got more planned, but but currently I'm just working on those two. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, Richard, um, I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and the book and your work, past, present, and future. Richard, do you have a, a website that you'd like to share? Um, I, I'm working on a website. You'd be surprised how often I hear that. <laughs> <laughs> I have the domains. It's just uh, it's just a little bit of work. Um, where can people get uh, copies of the Covenant Names of God and your other books? They're all on Amazon. Okay. Yeah, if they uh, if they just do a, a search on my name, all the all my books will come up. Well, this is um, this is fascinating. It's, a, it's an interesting idea for a book, and I uh, applaud you, Richard, and thank you for spending this time with me and the listeners, and keep up the good work. 
Well, thank you. As I said, it's an honor for me to be here with you. All right. Take care. Take care. That was uh, Richard Soans. He's author of a book called The Covenant Names of God. And we will have... um, we have more of the Tom Sumner program coming up. In fact, we have a lot more. It's kind of a packed show today. We'll uh, we'll be more. We'll be back with more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Tom Sumner. Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com Smile and say You're pleased with the life that I've lived You're pleased with the life that I've lived When you let me in
from the Tom Sumner Show. Oh, you pilots, get off yeah. my lawn. We're trying to do a radio show down here. It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? Go on. Go on, get out of here. <laughs>